Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome back to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. My name is Dan Carson. I'm thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about one of those tough things for your students, how to navigate the culture. We know that as student ministry workers, the culture is much different than when we were students. Now, for me, it was way back in the dark ages, you know, back in the 1900s. But life has changed a lot for our students and life has changed a lot for our church members. And so we're constantly trying to figure out how do we navigate this this time as believers in this strange culture that we live in. And so we're going to talk about that and how to help students through that. But before we do that, I want to thank our podcast partner, Central Baptist College of Conway, Arkansas. Central Baptist College is challenging, engaging, and inspiring. And if your students are looking for that next step in their education that is Christ-focused, have them check out cbc.edu. Now, CBC is one of those places. It's a smaller campus. It's an opportunity for your students to be really connected with the professors. Um, And so we'd encourage you uh, to have them check it out. Well, our guest today is at a much larger university. He's the ABS team leader at the University of Arkansas. And we're thrilled that Stuart Estes is back on the podcast with us. Thanks, Dan, for having me back. I really appreciate it. I don't know how much I need to pay you for continuing to ask me to come on your podcast, but thanks. <laughs> well, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Stuart and I have been connected for a while now. Um, I'm actually on the board for the ABS, and I'm thrilled that he's back on here with us. This makes his third time to be on the podcast, and as we talked, he may be one of the most invited back guests, uh, but he's dealing with, I want to say, 27,000 students now at the U of A. That's the number I heard, uh, I think, last semester before uh, summer ended was 27,000. Yeah. It's an incredible opportunity to reach out and to love uh, the college students there because we know that these major universities, uh, the students have an opportunity to go back to their hometowns, their home communities, their home countries even, and carry the gospel with them. And so it makes the work that Stuart and others like him do so very important. Well, Stuart, again, you've been on the podcast before. We've asked you some questions. Uh, let me just ask, what's going on in your life now in in your ministry? Yeah, well, so thankfully, my wife has chosen to continue to love me. So still married to (laughs) Hannah for nine years uh, in June. So praise God for her. She's such an asset to my life. um, And the Lord uses her in many ways. And our kids, uh, Henry and Julie, are six and four, respectively. And they're just bundles of energy. And praise God for them as well. Um, Still leading the work at ABS. Um, and that's wonderful. I love that. It's one of the great joys of my life that the Lord has brought me to do this work. 
Um, and then also since then I've been offered, um, and called, I think by the Lord to pastor a local church, um, the church I was in round mountain missionary Baptist outside of Fayetteville. And so I'm doing that as well. Uh, that's bivocational work. So it fits in with the work I'm doing here at the ministry. And, and I, and I get to just wear ministry hats and I have to change a little bit every now and again, but at least I'm still in the kingdom work. So that's where I'm at. Uh, and it's hot summertime here in Arkansas. So you know how that is. Well, you are in college ministry. Um, and so the fall and the spring are very busy times. What does the summer months look like for somebody in, in your role that maybe doesn't have a, a regular uh, meeting time with students because they're not on campus? It feels interesting. And I can tell when summer comes. First of all, it's kind of a time for family repair. So um, during the during the fall and the spring, um, I'm you know, the, the ministry calls a lot on me, calls on my wife a lot. And that has um, has some implications for our family. So I, I would say summertime is about family care a lot, helping my wife raise our children and being a father and being a husband. That takes a pretty high precedence um, this summer. Uh, we've also been doing some construction work around ABS. So, uh, we're trying to remodel downstairs. So that's what it looks like this summer. And, um, increasingly I'm feeling the burn, but I feel this every summer to, you know, seek the Lord's guidance about what happens in the fall, um, and take time to do what he, to seek what he would have and not to just do things uh, out of my own power. Um, but so, so that's a big part of summer as well. So it feels like a hiatus. Sometimes I don't do very well with it because I'm pretty structured and I want to have stuff to do. But, hey, the Lord is in the unstructured times and I find a lot of grace in the summer. And so that's that's a good thing for me. Well, I love hearing you talk about family care. That's so very important for any of us who are working with students. Now, with student ministry and most of those that are listening, summertime is crazy busy because we have camps, conferences, mission trips, and the list goes on. And so there, there are moments, though, through the years um, that we can actually find and invest in our family, and I'm glad you have that time. Recently, you had the opportunity to speak to breakout groups at the SOAR 2023 conference about this idea of dealing with the culture. And the culture is... It's hard. It's hard for us to deal with whether we are student age, adults. You know, I, I think about uh, the church members sitting in our pews, the older church members that look at what's happening in our culture and are just baffled <laughs> how and why. And this doesn't make any sense to me. I find myself now at the age of 51 looking at some of the things happening and I'm unable to to figure out what to do. And so I have to lean into God's word and lean into those that are helping lead and say, hey, how do we navigate this? And so what I wanted to do is just kind of cover the topic that you covered with students. And so that as student ministry workers, we can help our students navigate those tough situations. I mean, they're going to be heading back into school in, in less than a month or maybe just a little bit more than that. I mean, they're going to be back into that fall swing of things, football games, concerts, all the, the whole bit. Um, and so why is this an important topic? Why is it important for us to have a plan to deal with the culture? What do you think, Stuart? 
Yeah, so I entitled my session uh, Between a Rock and a Hard Place, um, Engaging Our Culture with the Gospel, because I think so often we do feel like we're between a rock and a hard place. And the rock would be the gospel, right? Like the thing that we cling to, and we know that that's a rock, it's not going to move. But we've also got this very hard thing, uh, this hard place, the culture around us that a lot of times we feel caught in between those things and there's just feels like danger of being crushed. And so I was just thinking about that analogy. And so um, I wanted to give students a way to move because you have to move, right? If, if you don't want to get crushed. And so I, the Lord just kind of led me to some passages as I was thinking about this. How do I help them engage and move became the acronym um, so MOVE stands for make up your mind, operate in the spirit, view the situation accurately, and engage for God's glory. And um, so I tried to teach that in this session. And I come from, before I worked here, um, did this work, I worked at Walmart Corporate, and I did training programs there. So I know that acronyms are helpful, and people can remember them and use them. So that's, I was like, I'm just going to go hardcore uh, talent development on this, you know. So I I did. And um, man, I, I think people really engaged and it felt like um, the way I structured those sessions, we learned about the model, learned the acronym, and then we took a shot at a couple of scenarios as groups and we worked our way through the model and people were really thinking. I mean, I could tell that their heads there was more going on there than just trying to get to the next session or, you know, talking to the cute girl or the cute guy or whatever, you know, they were really, they were really involved. And so praise God for that. And, and it was good. And, and as often happens, I think, um, teachers end up learning more than students a lot of times. And I myself yeah. learned a lot from teaching these things. So. Well, let's look at that. Um, you describe a rock and a hard place, the gospel versus the culture. Can you give us an example of how that, why that would be difficult or how that might be difficult? Sure. I mean, I think I'll just use one of the scenarios I used in the yeah. session. So the scenario I gave, uh, one of them was uh, you have a friend who comes to you um, and she has never told you that she follows Jesus. She's not, uh, has never claimed to be a believer, but she comes to you and says that she's contemplating a homosexual lifestyle. And so she's going to come out to you. And she tells you that she feels drawn to that lifestyle and wants to know your opinion. Um, so how do you engage in this situation for the gospel, right? Mm. That feels like, does that not feel like a rock and a hard place to you, Dan? I mean, it does because, and that's what our students are facing. Yeah. You know, we know um, that the gospel is solid and that the word tells us the, the sin that's involved with that. But at the same time, we love those people. We care about right. them. And we know that if we, if we say the wrong thing, or that's kind of what our thinking becomes, if we say the wrong thing, we're going to push them away from God. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, totally the rock and the hard place. And so what do we do next? <laughs> yeah, so that's so what we what we talked about was um, making up your mind. So that's the first step. You got to sure. make up your mind. And what I really taught them here was out of John. 15 verses 18 through 19, where Jesus is describing to the disciples how, you know, the world is going to hate you and they're going to hate you because of me. 
And so what I really tried to teach students, and there were a lot of parents who came through too, um, what I tried to teach them here was you got to make up your mind that in these situations, you're going to have to make up your mind that it's okay to be hated by the world for mm-hmm. following Jesus. Yeah. And that was the theme of SOAR was devotion. So typically what should happen as your devotion to Christ increases, your animosity, probably the world, the animosity, the world delivers to you will increase as well. But what you have to do is settle in your mind. I'm okay with that. And that's hard because what's at stake here, just in this situation we're describing, there's a lot of good things at stake here, right? There's friendship at stake here. Your reputation is at stake here. I mean, certainly if you handle this, maybe if you handle this the way you should, you're going to be called a bigot. So your reputation's at stake. That's really what I wanted them to understand about making up your mind. You got to make up your mind that things are going to be at stake when you're in between a rock and a hard place. And you have to draw the line in the sand that you're ready to lose things for following Christ. And that happens a long time before these situations ever come into reality, you know. So that was the first step. Um, well, let me let me add that, you know, with our students, not only are they dealing with just the truth of the situation, the truth of God's word and their relationship with Jesus, but they're dealing with the peer pressure. They're dealing with this desire not to be ostracized. Uh, yeah. You've mentioned it, a fear of rejection, but it goes much deeper than that, especially with those that are in that um, seventh through 12th grade years. And so, man, that's, that's tough, but it does start with making up your mind. You, you have a second thing that begins with an O so we can keep this moving yeah, uh, forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job. That was good. Um, so O stands for operate in the spirit. Mm. And uh, took them to Galatians five. Um, and we looked at, you know, there's two kinds, there's two lists of fruit in the back half of that chapter. There's the fruit of the flesh and there's the fruit of the spirit. And so what I taught them here was our bodies, our natural selves, the flesh, uh, bear a certain kind of fruit. And then through the grace of Jesus and the presence of his Holy Spirit, our lives can start to bear different fruit. Um, and that's a much lovelier list than, than the fruit of the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. And so we talked about these fruit and that we need to, I, I would say, memorize or at least have a very firm grasp on what are these fruit that we see coming out of the flesh and what are the fruit we see coming out of the spirit. And what we need to start doing um, as we're going to try and engage the culture is to operate in the spirit. So we need to make sure that we are abiding in Christ, letting the spirit bring to remembrance his teachings, his commands, and empowering us to be obedient in those things. Um, And as we start to operate in the spirit, he'll bear the fruit of the spirit in us. And then the fruit of the flesh will go away. It'll be crucified, um, like Paul says. The question that I want them to think about here as they're looking at any given scenario or situation is what kind of fruit do you see here? So this is really where we let the spirit inform us what's dangerous, right? So in the scenario we're talking about, I mean, Paul starts the list of the fruit of the flesh off sexual immorality, right? Yeah. So this that is evident at, at stake here, right? That there is fruit of the flesh in this other person 
there, I would argue there may be some drawing of the spirit though, because this person is coming to you, um, trust you enough to tell you these things, to seek your opinion. So the spirit's working here. And then really operating in the spirit is understanding the situation in the context of what the spirit is doing and what the flesh is doing. So it's trying to get your head around. This is what I know is going on here. And again, this step happens a long time before a situation occurs. You have to be a student of God's word. You have to be being transformed by the spirit yourself to operate in the spirit. And Paul says, you know, so if we're going to live in the spirit, let us walk in step with the spirit. Right. And so that's what operating in the spirit means. You know, as, as, as we do that, I, I know that Henry Blackaby shared a book called Experiencing God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a kind of staple in, in some circles, but it, it's fantastic work because it, it says, find where God is moving and join him in that work. Yeah. And the fact that in your scenario, your, your friend has come to you, you know, th- that's an open door to at least discuss oh, yeah. and to share yeah. the gospel and to to step into that. Well, the next yeah. one is V. And when you said move, I was like, oh, how are we going to put a V in <laughs> with this? So share with us what you what you shared there. Yeah, V stands for view the situation accurately. And uh, there were light, bulb, light bulbs going off for me when I wrote this part. The spirit was working in me and some things. And, and there were light bulbs going off in the room, too, when we hit V, because view the situation accurately. I took them to uh, Matthew chapter seven, where Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged. Right. And you'll be judged by the same measure um, that you judge with. Right. Um, and then he talks about, um, you know, why are you trying to remove the speck in your brother's eye when there's a log in your own? Don't you know that you first have to get the log out of your own eye before you start to help your brother as a speck? Um, and he calls people who do the opposite hypocrites, right? Yeah. So this is really important that we view the situation accurately. And what I taught them was viewing the situation accurately means that you have to be intimately aware of your sin, right? You know, Paul, he said, I am the chief sinner. Now, was Paul really any worse than anybody else? No, not in the grand scheme of things. But he knew his sin so deeply that he felt that he was the chief sinner, and therefore he knew God's grace deeper. And so that's what I was trying to teach them here, is that when you encounter situations where you know the world may hate you, there's obviously fruit of the flesh going on in these things that you're encountering, You've got to view the situation accurately and remember that Christ has saved you from so much that his grace extends to you so deeply that he's removing a log from your eye. So you remember that before you try and help someone else with a speck in theirs. I think this is particularly important for the church today because we are quick to jump into phobias. Like we're just going to we're just going to like not engage on things that we're scared of, but we don't need to be that way. We need to view the situation accurately. We need to think of ourselves as Paul thought of himself as the chief sinner. And we have been extended so much grace. Therefore we should extend the grace of the gospel to other people. Paul even talks about being a debtor to sharing the grace of the gospel and not a debtor to God, because if we were debtors, in grace, grace wouldn't be grace. 
but he says that I'm a debtor to the people around me, that I would share the grace that has been given to me. And so this V is very important, viewing the situation accurately. And um, I think just practically one of the things in this scenario that we're discussing that we talked about in the session was, okay, so this person is divulging that they've got this uh, sexual immorality contemplation going on in their life. So there are things that may be in your life that you need to consider, right? So if you're struggling with sexual immorality, if you have pornography addiction or you're sleeping around, these things bear on how you react to that situation, right? And so you have to view the situation accurately. Um, this may be a different flavor of a sin that scares you a little bit, but remember, you got that dark wretchedness tied up in you too. Um, and that that will definitely change the way you act in the situation. Well, let's let's wrap up move with yeah. E. What have you got there? Yeah, E is engaged for God's glory. And we talked about two passages here. One is out of Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 10, the situation with um, Zacchaeus. And then uh, at the end of that, Jesus tells, um, or we read that he says, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And so the first thing I taught them here about engaging for God's glory is that he relentlessly pursues the lost. We can never lose sight of that. And so the world around us is lost. And what is God doing? He's pursuing them like he pursued us. So we can never lose sight. The, the first criteria for engaging in God's glory, for God's glory, is the lost, seeing the lost saved, has to be of paramount importance. There can't be anything higher than that. And then the second thing I taught here is uh, maybe the other side of the coin, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 9 through 11, where Paul says, um, you know, I commanded you not to associate with uh, people who are sexually immoral, not meaning people who were of the world and are sexually immoral, but people who claim to be brothers of Christ, but continue in this unrepentant lifestyle. Um, so I taught them that as the, as the other prong here of this. So God is relentlessly pursuing the lost. And then the second thing is, we are commanded to abstain from relations with people who claim to be Christians yet continue in unrepentant lifestyles. So you have a relentless love for the lost and you have a relentless pursuit of remaining holy. These are the two ways you engage for God's glory. Um, and so in the situation that we've been describing this scenario, um, I asked the students to, to think about how do you engage for God's glory, know that knowing that he seeks the lost and he commands you to abstain from uh, relations with people who profess to be believers but continue in unrepentant lifestyles. And the students and the attendees did great because like you said, Dan, in this situation, what an open door to share the gospel. This is not the time to bow out. This is the time to make up your mind. You're okay with what you might lose. You're operating in the spirit. You view the situation accurately. You know what's going on in your own heart. And then you engage for God's glory. And maybe you say something like, listen, friend, I also struggle with sexual immorality. It is a struggle for me, has been my whole life. But what I'm finding is that because of the grace 
that Jesus has given me and the presence of his Holy Spirit in my life. He's freeing me from that. And you share the gospel with this person, right? Mm, you don't yes. just clam up and back off and stop being their friend. No, like this is the moment. God is giving you a chance to share the gospel. And that's how you engage for God's glory in that situation. Our students are, as I've said before, in a unique place in history. There are so many things that they are faced with and so many difficulties that they encounter uh, that it, it's hard for us to imagine. It's, it's hard for me to imagine if I had had a friend come up to me and express the, the statement, the question, um, that the scenario you faced where um, I just don't know what I would have done back in high school during those times. I might have been scared off. I might have clammed up instead of following through with some of the steps that you've shared uh, today. Um, but it's, it's no longer hypothetical. Hmm. We have students who are faced with that on a, a regular basis because it is so public, so open. And so it's important that we share with them ways to navigate this crazy culture. And I know that you have to do that on a daily basis at the University of Arkansas. Fayetteville is is a pretty liberal place if we want to frame it in that that situation. Um, That's where my church is that I serve at. But it's important that we still show Christ's love and that we show them uh, the great, great hope that they can find in the gospel. Well, can I just add one more thing? Oh, you bet. You bet. Uh, I just, you know, I said the teacher learns a lot more than the students sometimes. And, and one thing I taught them was M O and V happen in your heart way before E ever comes up. Right. Mm, That's right. And so just, you know, you talking about this campus, this mission field that God has called me to, there's no way to put a measure of importance on how important it is for me to do M, O, and V all the time on my own. I have to be doing those things or I will never engage for God's glory. So in the parts, in this model, M, O, and V are constant upkeep. Like you must abide and do, abide in Christ to do these things. Yeah, yeah. People just have to do them all the time. You have to get in the discipline of these things because you don't know when God's going to give you an opportunity to do E, to engage for his glory. And you better be ready. Um, you know, I think of the parable of the guy who buried the coin. You don't want to be that guy. You want to be about the work, right? So right, be right. about the work of making up your mind, operating in the spirit, trying to view situations accurately before you ever get a chance to engage for God's glory. That's so good. So good, Stuart. Um, let me ask if somebody wants to contact you and and find out a little bit more information about what you've shared today, or if they have a student who is headed to the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville and would like to get them connected with your ministry, what's some of the best ways for them to connect with you? Yeah, so we're on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Instagram is at thehedge.uark. Um, so you can direct message us there. I have a social media uh, I have a, a young woman who does a great job. She's went to school for this, and so she's helping me out, and she monitors that. So we we would love to connect with you that way. 
Um, also, uh, you can check out our website, thehedgeuark.com. Um, and you can learn more about us out there when we meet and what we're doing. Uh, also, I, I can give this information to Dan. He probably has it and he can put it in the show notes, but you're welcome to just reach out to me. I love to text. So 870-416-2197. There you go. There's my number. Um, so just anyway, uh, youth leaders, student ministry workers, I would love to connect with you. I find one of the best ways for me to steward this ministry is to work with you guys because your students trust you. And if they're coming to Fayetteville, then they trust their youth leader or their student ministry worker to be able to give them a recommendation for where to go. Um, and I don't want you to not know me. Um, I'm not a crazy heretic. Some people might think that at times. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> I, I would love to get to know you, you student ministry workers, because I want your recommendations. I want you to be recommending your students to come here. And I want you to trust me and this ministry enough that you would send them here. So, yeah. Thank you, Stuart. Uh, you know, let me kind of expand on what Stuart just shared, because his heart is the heart of so many college ministry workers. And so if your student is headed to a campus other than the University of Arkansas, maybe they're headed somewhere in Missouri, Texas, California, wherever, reach out to that campus. Find those guys that are there that can make an impact with your students. So uh, take Stewart's words and apply them to your situation. But if you've got, if they're headed to Fayetteville, have them contact Stewart. That's what we want. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, listener, thank you so much for joining us today. Stuart has shared some great information as we are often stuck in between a rock and a hard place. And when it comes to knowing the gospel, loving the gospel and loving those that are out there in the world trying to figure out how to maneuver in those situations we want to move. And so we'll have that in the show notes so that you can step through that, maybe look at it, maybe even share it with your students. And, uh, you know, we'll just keep meeting, we'll keep sharing and connecting, and we'll keep doing all these things because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.